Hey, Biz Dads, welcome back to another exciting week. Hope you all have had a great weekend. Glad to be back with you. We've got an amazing guest coming up on the show today, Eric Kamansky, the founder of Way to Play, as well as a PE coach at one of our local elementary schools here. I think all of the parents will enjoy hearing all that Eric has to say about uh, the amazing camps that he puts on, the after-school programs, and his thoughts about heading back to school. We're also going to dive in a little bit with some of the sports and biz news around the name changes with the Redskins, what we're seeing around college football. We've got a Parenting 101 and this week's Final Four. Let's jump into it. This week's Biz Dads. Andres, how did the uh, vacation end up for you, buddy? It was good, Brad. We had a great second half of the week. With COVID, there is not as much traffic on the road. I am seeing a huge number of campers. You know, this is the summer of hitting the road in the RV, so we saw a ton of those. But it was good. We had a great trip. How was the rest of yours in Florida? Back to the real world, man. It was great. We had a, a great rest of the week. You know, I, I, I don't feel relaxed at all. I didn't, as we've talked about, when you've got kids our age, there's no such thing as a vacation. They're called trips, but at least it was a change of scenery. You know, we got out there and, and had some great time with, with an amazing family that we really enjoyed spending time with. The food got even better as we got there throughout the week. So thanks to my buddy Andre for that. You know, I think it's important for our kids to have that time with their buddies. Kids all played great together. They're already planning the next trip. We're, we're going to Mexico. We're going to relive the old Sendate trip. So you guys will have to join us for that one down in Playa del Carmen. There's a um, DJ that I know that we are going to go back and visit. Uh, DJ, DJ Marvin. Uh, Marvin. DJ Marvin. Yeah. Let me tell you, listeners out there, if you are ever in Playa del Carmen, Mexico, find DJ Marvin. No matter what happens, find DJ Marvin. And when you find him, get one of his CDs or one of his, I guess now it's not a CD anymore. This was 10 years ago. Bring back his music for Andres and I because this was the greatest mashup artist I've ever seen. And we spent every night in his bar on that and trip. That's, that's another episode, I'm sure. An epic episode uh, that we'll have to relive because it's the only time in my life uh, and I'm only 41, so hopefully we'll have a few more of these. It's the only time in my life we were able to convince the owner of the bar to call the DJ on his night off and say, hey, get your ass in here. <laughs> These Americans are back. These Americans are back. They're ready to spend money and dance and like crazy. Up, and it was a custom DJ playlist for the night. It was fun. So, no, it's good. You know, one of the things that was awesome about being away, and we talked about this last week, was, I mean, we were – yeah, we were both probably long overdue for a trip. I think we both pent up. Um, I know we have not been out and about as much. And so it was just so relaxing mentally, more than anything, to just not have to worry about getting up and, you know, going places and putting on masks and social distancing. But to your point, like the root canal is like the least of it. I mean, just coming back to Atlanta after everything that's transpired over the last week with school and all the uncertainty around that and i keep trying to tell heidi my wife like we got to take it day by day because if you try to like look ahead with this thing six weeks six days six months like you'll drive yourself crazy and then stay off of social media oh, that's yeah. my other piece of advice but uh no, anyway no. i digress gotten, it's gotten to the point now where there's so much information we talk about this with our guests coming up uh, Coach Mansky, you just can't process it all, and um, it's kind of like watching everybody's thoughts on the local news. It's become so depressing. Just enjoy 
the group that you're able to be around. Be smart. Wear your mask. We jumped right back into the thick of it this weekend. We got home. Actually came back a couple days early. Uh, Ben had a tournament this weekend, so we wanted him to get some rest. Um, The kids came up just short uh, in the semifinal game. Still another good, fun weekend. You know, it's it's now time to jump back into work for me. I've been thinking a lot over the last couple days. It's time for business to kick back in. And uh, I'm sure I'm preaching to the choir, everybody out there listening. But, man, I I just am ready. I had a staff meeting today. It's like we got to get going because uh, I'm not I'm not blaming COVID anymore for any of this stuff. It's it's time to make some things happen. We've got to got to make some things happen and kind of chart our own path here because it doesn't seem like uh, the government or the news or anybody's going to make it easy on us. No, I mean, you're right. You you have to sort of take this opportunity to really dis- differentiate yourself, differentiate what your offering is and, and try to find a way through the noise. I I mean, I, I had worked a couple days on the front end of our trip and I worked a little, but it, it was kind of one of the first vacations in a long time where I felt like I truly unplugged, uh, which was good and definitely was able to spend a lot of time with the family and the in-laws and sister-in-law, etc. But yeah, getting back to the office today, just hitting the phone making calls, trying to get people on the phone. Definitely, there's just that energy, I guess, that I get and I feed off of from being able to do that. And yeah, I agree. Like we're, you know, we we know school is going to start hopefully in more or less in a month. And, you know, summer no longer is a, you know, take six weeks off, take eight weeks off and go to the beach in my business. And I'm sure it's not in yours. You know, summer is a time where you're, you know, you're you're putting in the extra reps, if you will. It's kind of like, high school brad you had to go to summer conditioning right and you're no you're running in the heat you're lifting weights and it pays off in the fall well i definitely need my summer conditioning in more than one front <laughs> to kick back into gear <laughs> i miss those days of having to have to get up and run and get in shape i definitely need that and you know i kicked off um the the big ass calendar club i've been spending a lot of time there and it's thinking about what, what the next 12 months is going to look like and kind of breaking it down into 90 day segments and trying to get more goal oriented, um, both personally, professionally and health wise, family wise. So, you know, a lot more to come on that, but let's jump into this week's uh, sports and business news. So a couple things, uh, you know, trying to shorten this up a little bit, uh, cause we do have a great guest, the Redskins announced today that they are officially retiring the name, the Washington Redskins and the logo, and they are going to evaluate a new name and a new brand. And hopefully that'll be launched soon. So the first and biggest domino has fallen. The Redskins were the center of this controversy for as long as I can remember. Um, You've got other brands out there. Like I talked about the Indians, the Braves, all making comments and, and running searches. Your chiefs still have not, been part of the conversation i don't understand how that has not been brought up no i know it's uh well back to the redskins you can't change the subject brad um look i i uh clearly the redskins had been in the you know i would say in the crosshairs i don't know what the proper term is you know they were the one organization going back you know many many years that was you know under a lot of pressure to you know, to think about changing their names. And I'm, you know, I'm looking at some of the new names that they're, that they're considering. And I'm seeing things like Red Wolves, Red Hawks, Bears. I don't know what they're going to go with, but, uh, but, you know, I, look, I think it's, I, this is not just the, the moment that we live in. Um, I don't believe, but I do think that, you know, 
there are probably going to be other teams that are going to be looking at whether it's a chant. I know the Braves are talking about, you know, not changing their name, but evaluating the the chop, I guess, the tomahawk, the tomahawk chop. chop yeah. So, I mean, I think that we haven't heard the end of this, and there's going to be probably more discussion around the sensitivity around some of the uh, the monikers, the mascots. I know, you know, people say, when does it end? When does this, you know, ever going to change? I don't know. I mean, I kind of felt like the Redskins was was a matter of time, didn't you? Yes, I'm sensitive to people that this negatively impacted. You know, the Redskins has been, have been a, an important part of our family for a long time. My my dad, as you know, went to Maryland, had a cup of coffee on some practice squads with the Washington Redskins. Played Back then, they had a semi-pro team called the Roanoke Buckskins. That's actually where my parents met. My dad was playing semi-pro football in the Washington Redskins organization in Roanoke. I met my mom. So it's it, it stinks to see it go mm-hmm. because there's a history there. Hail to the Redskins, you know, uh, is, a, is, is one of the most iconic chants in, in pro football. And I understand why it needs to go. And I'm fine with that. I, I agree that, that, you know, it's time to be sensitive and it's time to pay attention. Hopefully there's something that can carry on the tradition of an incredible fan base. You know, they've got the hogs that uh, were in the 70s and 80s, um, some of the best fans that you'll see. Hopefully they'll find a way to continue that tradition with, with the Washington football team. My money's on revolution, the Washington revolution. Yeah, we'll see what that's happens. interesting. Well, so, the one that, that – yeah, one of the ones that I guess is gaining a little bit of traction is the Red Tails, which the Red Tails was uh, – it's basically a celebratory name for the Tuskegee, Tuskegee Airmen. Airmen. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, and that's uh, and they're the, they were the first African-American you know, military aviators um, yeah, cool. in the U.S. Armed Forces. So definitely a uh, – would be a nod to, uh, to, to our veterans and to, you know, to the Tuskegee Airmen. So we'll, yeah. well, I guess we'll have to see. Um, how it plays out. But, well, what's um, interesting but yeah. with all these all these teams who are coming out and talking about you know whether or not they are talking to the local tribes within their region, I just think it's such an important part of the conversation. I mean, the Florida State Seminoles, who use the tomahawk chop, have a very specific and strong relationship. If if I'm hopefully not quoting that incorrectly, with the Seminole Nation. I mean, there's no reason why the Indians, the Braves, the Chiefs, you name it, they should all have a strong relationship and have them decide where they fall. So right. more to watch there. Truist Park, SunTrust Park, uh, now Truist Park. It's going to be weird without the Tomahawk Chop, which came along with Deion Sanders. It's not a. It's actually not a Braves thing. It came with Deion Sanders being a Brave, having mm-hmm. his days from Florida State. So um, we'll see if that lasts. But a lot to come here with, with baseball and everything you know, kicking back up. It's not going to matter what the Tomahawk chop is because there's not going to be any fans in the stands. But uh, more to come on the name changes. We'll keep a close eye on it. So, you know, one of the interesting things that has happened in my world and, and for all of us sports fans out there, a lot of news over the last few days in college football. Mm-hmm. I think um, I've seen plenty of memes that says that say things like, if you want college football, wear your mask. Or if you tell the Southerners that college football – won't happen unless they wear their mask. Everybody would be wearing masks. You know, it's a religion down here. Um, but the Big Ten and the Pac-12 both announced that they're moving to conference-only schedules for their fall sports, which means they're not going to uh, play those three, four football games that they would normally play out of conference. It, you know, the sentiment that it is a 
it is a travel thing doesn't make any sense anymore because the the Pac-12 and the Big Ten, you're going from Rutgers, New Jersey to Lincoln, Nebraska. It's not like you're not traveling if you're playing a Big Ten football schedule or volleyball or whatever. These conferences are now so spread out. I, you know, I think it's a way to control some of it. I think you're going to see a delay in the start of the season. Not having conference games means you probably push and compress everything to a two-month season. Probably doesn't start till early October now which will be interesting. That timeline hasn't come out yet. Two things for me. One, the ACC and the SEC both announced that they are not making a decision yet. Um, The Big 12 has not made a decision. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. But what blows my mind is why in the world can these five organizations not get together and all be on the same page? You know, there's only five of them in the Power Five conferences that kind of trend everything. And I'll tell you where this hurts the most. Your college football uh, at the mid-major level, the, the 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 group of five and even the one double A are now FCS. Those budgets, and especially in football and other sports, are are their budgets for those smaller schools are very 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 dependent on those guarantee games. When mm-hmm. um, a small school goes and plays, you know Ohio State, a Mac school goes and plays Ohio State. There's usually a million dollar guarantee. That's now going to be gone for these schools. So. I, I think it could be the ripple effect could be very detrimental. Um, sad to see. What do you think? Well, I'm I'm depressed because you know Kansas Jayhawks under Les Miles were planning to start the season against New Hampshire, and um, I don't know. I mean, now we were going to Baylor, and then we got Boston College at home. Then we got to go to Coastal Carolina. So if we're only playing one of those three games or one of those four games and it's Baylor. I don't know. I mean, Les miles might be looking at another one and seven, one and eight. (laughs) It's just going to be a long season. Uh, But no, in all seriousness, it it is, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, I re, I mean, I remember KU was always kind of the, the early non-conference game for some big programs back in, you know, back when I was in college and before college. I mean, I remember we played Florida State one year and those are big, those are big paydays for a, you know, we're a big, you know, power five school, but we're a basketball school. Football, you know, is, is, uh, has got to make money. It's, it's really going to be interesting from a financial standpoint, because you, you not only have the budget pressures of sports and not having fans in stands and then the impact that that, you know, bleeds down to mid majors, but, just the budgets for these universities, you know, not having international students, you know, and all the, you know, all the students are probably saying like, Hey, I'm going to take a year off. You know, I'm going to do a gap year. It's, um, it's unprecedented from a business standpoint. So many unanswered questions, you know, our fans going to be allowed in the stands for these conference games. How does it impact the TV revenue? Um, which is predominantly paid because of the conference schedules. I'll be interested to see if there's a split in the in the Power 5 if if the Big 12, SEC and ACC don't follow suit with the Big 10 and the Pac-12. Uh Larry Scott, the commissioner of the Pac-12 actually is recovering from COVID-19. He was diagnosed as positive, so um there's been a, there's been several positive tests. Uh some schools have stop their their workouts on campus some have continued i don't think it's a tremendously high number but i think at this point any positive tests are scaring people Uh, it'll be interesting to see if they bring kids back to campus around that labor day weekend if there is no football what happens those first few weeks 
And is it, do they build in that buffer to see what happens from an outbreak standpoint with kids on campus? And does that determine how many fans they allow in the stands? But a lot to come. It's from my business. It's it, it's not good news, and I hate to hear it because you know all of these sports are they provide the release and a little distraction for all of us, given everything that's going on. It's unfortunate that we're not going to be able to just watch some of those great non-conference matchups that you see. I mean, that would mean Georgia, Georgia tech doesn't play on Thanksgiving weekend. That would mean that, uh, you know, some of the best matchups in college football don't happen. Um, well, I, you know, I go back to the show we had with, you know, with the guys from AECOM and the takeaway from the very end of that show, if I, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't they say basically it's about confidence and you've got to be able to keep the players healthy. And if you can't keep the players healthy, then it's like all bets are off, right? So I'm looking at the NBA and this whole experiment of the bubble. And I'm saying if you look through all the measures that they've taken, and that's for a, you know, a small population of people, you know, per team, players and personnel. And I'm just thinking if they're having to do all of that, and spending all those resources and all that money, like how are these colleges possibly going to contain, you know, 80, you know, 90, you know, 18 to 22 year olds, they're not going to live in a bubble. I just, and I definitely would love to see college football, but I just think it creates a ton of, you know, a ton of questions. I mean, it'll be interesting to hear from our guests later. I mean, because he's running camps and he's dealing with some of these issues on a much smaller scale. But how are you getting people comfortable? How are you making sure that, you know, business can can resume as normal? I really am curious to see what the SEC does, because, you know, they're they and the ACC and the Big 12, aren't they all kind of basically coming out publicly and saying we're going to wait until the very last minute? We don't need to make a decision now. So why? Do we need to make a decision now? They are waiting till the last minute, which I, I, I totally agree with. I, you know, you and I have we, we both have, have approached this thing, you know, I think both with caution, but but a little differently. I don't know why you would make a decision so so early um, when there's such a big impact uh, and so many ripple effects that come out of it. It will be interesting to see what they do. You know, at the end of the day, can we continue to live in fear of this thing? And, and and as you get into the flu months, October, November, right? How does that impact everything? Does some of the experts I'm seeing are talking about it being a really bad fall and winter. Are we going to live in this cycle forever? I know that we're not. I know that eventually this is going to have to run its course, but I I believe we need to take this thing head on. And uh, I read a fascinating book right now about the influenza, uh, you know, that broke out and was a pandemic back in 1918 and 1919. And uh, it's just fascinating to uh, see how much progress medicine has made, but just understanding kind of the history of these uh, pandemics and seeing how, you know, we're handling this, the world's handling this. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big, big believer in as confidence grows, that will you know, lead to more and more people um, being willing to get out and about. But like I told you, I mean, we were 
off the grid for 10, 11 days. And all this stuff was going on in Georgia and cases were blowing up in Florida and in Texas and California is shut down tonight, basically again. And I just think at the end of the day, like, you know, as people leg into getting back out and doing more things and your family have been doing, you know, more sports, you guys have, you know, been probably more active for sure than we have. And that's not make it better, worse, etc. But as we gain more confidence, probably by doing a few more things, you know, we join the ranks of people who are like, okay, we're just going to hit this thing head on. Um, And we're definitely having to make sacrifices. And our kids are, you know, not always happy about it. And we're trying to, you know, thread that needle, I guess you could say, between health and, you know, not being overly fearful and locked down permanently. I mean, who wants to be who wants to live that way? Yeah. Well, we'll have plenty more time to talk about all this stuff. I think there'll be a lot more news coming out of college sports here over the next couple of weeks. Be interesting to watch what happens with uh, with the Redskins and the name changes. But you hit on some interesting stuff as it relates to our kids and kind of what we're all thinking. Let's jump into this week's interview with Coach Eric Kamansky from Way to Play Sports and a PE teacher here at the elementary school in Smyrna. Uh, great interview. Let's hear a little bit from Eric. All right, Biz Dads, it's time for a very special guest. Uh, we've got with us Coach Eric Kamansky with Way to Play. Way to Play is an all-inclusive program uh, that offers after-school programs, uh, school break camps, and a ton of different enrichment classes. Um, he's a great friend and an incredible citizen here in Smyrna, so I want to welcome Coach Kamansky. How you doing, Coach? Hey, doing really, really well. I appreciate uh, you and Andres having me on and uh, just giving me a chance to to talk about something I'm really passionate about and care about a lot. Well, I first have to um, voice the concerns of every parent that is attending camp this week with their kids. Uh, I had four boys with blue slime in my car, so explain yourself. Yeah, um, so we try to have kind of an all-around camp, and part of that is, is bringing an art teacher. And and on the surface, it looks like we're just kind of talking about the whole child, but really there's a kind of an underlying scheme here is that w- with the way to play, we're actually trying to do kind of a, a way to detail so we're trying to figure out a way to set up a bay when you drop your kids off that you can just kind of slide your car into our, our weighted detail and we can go ahead and uh, get another little profit model because Good. again well, this is I guess bit bit biz dads so here we go I'll be there uh, I'll be there on Friday thanks a lot for that um, well look I, I'm a, I'm such a huge fan of what way to play is both uh, with both boys being in the after school program uh, both boys utilizing the break camps which you know for us working parents is so important to be able to fill you know when we're not on vacation fall breaks and and winter breaks and and all of that Um, but also the summer breaks I mean this is an incredible time for for our boys they love going to your camps talk to us a little bit about why you became an educator because you're also a PE teacher at a local elementary school here so you're with these kids all the time and why you created Way to Play. So what was it that kind of got you in the business to begin with? And then, you know, what, where'd you see the opportunity for Way to Play? Yeah, so um, I guess it kind of all starts back, like a lot of stories back in my childhood, where I just had two really, really supportive parents. And I had two very hardworking parents. And, and my mom was an educator as well. She was a music educator and still to this day gives piano lessons and things like that. And um, I, I always saw kind of the, the whole idea of, of her grinding. I guess that's the word if we, you, you want to use it, just working and teaching and then giving lessons after school. And then my dad uh, was always there kind of playing ball with me and playing catch and, and just being being that guy that was that 
I guess, typical, what we hope that typical dad and something that I've really learned how to be to my own children. And it just, from a very, very early, early age, I realized that playing is something that I just love to do. And I wanted to see how I could take this idea of play. And as I got older, kind of turn it into something that, that I could continue. And that really kind of started with with playing sports as a kid, little league and soccer and basketball and things like that. And then moving on to high school and, and being able to play high school ball and college ball. And, and, and I was just very lucky and had good opportunities and people to support me. But, but to be honest, when I was graduating from high school, I kind of didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to maybe uh, kind of pursue college or just maybe work in, in whatever field for a couple of years. So I sat down with my mom, who was just, uh, to this day, still gives me great advice. And she said, you need to think about what you really like to do. Think about your passions and think about something that you wouldn't mind getting up for every day and going to do. And I knew that I loved kids and I knew that I loved um, kind of working with kids in sports. And uh, she said, well, why don't you think about possibly being a PE teacher? And it had never really crossed my mind. So I, I was accepted to college and kind of went that route and I've kind of never looked back and it's been just a, a really great decision that she helped me make and my dad helped me make and um, it's just probably kind of kind of helped me kind of my whole adult life of who I am as a human being. That's incredible and, and you get into one it's amazing how our parents can give us this incredible advice and I think we realize it even later in our life when we have our kids how impactful those lessons really are so so make sure that uh, you you thank your your parents, particularly as they become grandparents and spoil your kids, right? Remember yes. that they were there for you. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Well, tell, I mean, with Way to Play, you all have become, you know, such a staple in the community. Where did you really see the opportunity for Way to Play? Kind of how did it click? Yeah. So I, being a school teacher, first and foremost, is that there was this opportunity in an after school setting. And there was an opportunity in the, in the two months that we had in the summertime where I started to realize as my own kids started to get older and started to become old enough to attend camps that we had to find a way to kind of entertain them so they weren't sitting around all day in the summertime and during school breaks. So we had my oldest son, who's now 13, we had him attend a few camps as a five or six year old. And I dropped him off at these camps and, and kind of asked him how his day was. And after a week or two or three of this, I was like, wait a minute. I mean, with, with my background and with kind of the connections that I've made and the relationships that I've made, I started thinking that that I think I could do this. And I, I'm not a business person, but I'm, I'm a kid person. And I feel like I'm creative enough. And I feel like I have enough people that will help me that that the old PE teacher in me can really start to become, what I guess, a biz dad. And that's kind of where it's led is that at first, first off, we started out with with a camp of about forty or fifty kids in this warehouse in, in Smyrna, and I just made sure to bring in professionals around me that loved kids like I did, and and we did what we thought was best for kids, and we thought that if we did this the right way, that we could really grow into something that we're super duper proud of, and that's kind of where we are right now. And our goal at the beginning, and our goal now, and our goal forever is to make sure that we're treating kids the way that they should be treated with kindness and respect and um, and also just kind of making sure that that their health and wellness is taken care of. And that's been been our goal and something that I'm really, really proud of to, to be able to do. That's great. Yeah, Eric, I definitely would like to hear more about about way to play itself. I mean, I know Brad's kids are are uh, in their second week. I mean, I have three kids of my own, eight, five, and three. Um, we've never done a way to play. Tell me about how the program's set up. What what kinds of programs are you doing? I'm, I'm looking at your website, and I see a typical day starts as early as 7 p.m. and ends as late as 6. So 
obviously I'm sure you have a lot of working families, but tell me about when you designed the program, what were you trying to provide to kids and families? Yeah. Um, so when I first began this and I still sometimes feel like they feel like I, I really didn't know what I wanted the program to look like or what the vision should be. Um, I knew that, that I could come up with creative ways to entertain kids. And I knew that I could come up with games and activities and things like that. But at the core, at the core of it, it, it is a business. And even to this day, that's probably the part of it that I struggle with the most is because I, I'm not a businessman. I'm not somebody who grew up kind of looking at going into being a business owner. But I knew or felt that with everything that was kind of out there, whether I sent my own kids to a certain camp or a certain program or, or things that I've seen or read about, I felt that I, I could do better. And I mean, call it cocky or call it confidence or whatever you want to call it. I just felt that with, with the people that I had surrounding me and, and the people that I have on my team, I felt that we could really do something that was a great benefit to kids and also to families as well. So I kind of looked at a typical school day and, and being in the school that gave me an advantage of what parents' needs are. And a lot of our parents, they're dropping their kids off at school at seven o'clock in the morning and they're utilizing that after school program until six o'clock at night. And I knew that that if we were going to run a program, it would have to be kind of a, an all-inclusive kind of thing. And we would have to be available early in the morning until late at night. We would have to provide everything. And with current times with, with, with COVID and all that kind of stuff, we're not able to do a lot of the stuff that we normally do. But I, I, I said we, we need to be able to feed kids and we need able to be able to provide enrichment, both academic and physical enrichment. And um, so typically our programs run seven in the morning, to six at night, and you use whatever hours you need to use. I mean, we have some families that are there from seven to six, and, and we love having them there. And we have some families that have a little bit of flexibility, and they do a nine to three or a nine to four. And um, and we, we provide two snacks. We provide a hot lunch. Um, and it's all one price. We, we, we try not to nickel and dime anything. We tried to we tried to say this is our price for camp and we'll provide everything. You just send your child with a water bottle and we will take care of everything else. And really above and beyond that is we want to provide a program where it's full of adults that are role models for your kids. It's full of people that, that your kids are familiar with, whether they see them at schools, whether they see them at fields. And and that to me is is one of the biggest factors is that, I can only be there so often and I'm there a lot. I mean, I, I get to camp at six 30 in the morning and I usually leave about three 30 or four in the afternoon, but I need to know that when I'm not there, that the people that are helping run the show are, are amazing and they truly are. And, and I've got some fantastic people that I trust with my life and, and with kids and other people's lives because they, that that's what we're doing is we're taking care of people's kids. And we just try to run a full day active program. And when I first started it, we kind of did a different sport every day. We did like flag football on Monday. We did soccer on Tuesday, baseball on Wednesday. And we did, I forgot what I'm leaving out, but we did another sport on Thursday. And then on Friday, we did kind of like an all-star, a little bit of everything tournament day. But then I started realizing that while there are a lot of kids that like that format, there are some kids that that, that might be a little bit overwhelming for. So we turned it into more of kind of an all-day play camp. And, um, and that means we're talking about our, our PE games. We're talking about our, our academic games play type things we're talking about art yoga um we do a lot of stem stuff we do chess um, we bring in a lot of experts in their field so we bring in um, a group called chess to children that does a great job for us um, we bring in science programs so it started out as as a way to play sports and then over the years we've just changed it to way to play because the, the idea of play doesn't always have to be just a physical base kind of thing 
Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, i very impressed. One of the things that I've learned tonight is that it's not just a sports camp. I right. had always thought, and I've lived in Smyrna, you know, for going on 13, 14 years, and now having an 8-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a 3-year-old, I've seen the advertising, I've seen the logos, and maybe it's just the families that I've met, you know, that they'd say, oh, our kids love going to camp, they love it when they've got Thanksgiving break, or they've got winter break, and they can... But I always assumed, wrongly, obviously, that it was all sports. And I'm looking at your day, and you've got stuff that my daughter, who is, you know, she plays some sports, but she's much more into things like Legos, and she'd be way engaged in some of the art, some of the STEM stuff you've got. Um, so talk a little bit about that. How did that evolve? And was that kind of parent-driven, or was it something that you felt, you know, we need to add this dimension because there's a segment of kids that we think would be interested if we offered a more robust program? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, it kind of started where I, I took a step back and said, okay, we're getting X amount of kids a week, and it seems that, number one, our kids are getting exhausted. Like, the kids are so tired um, because Thank you for all that. day long... Yeah, yeah, that that's a positive thing. Um, but also, we looked at it and we started thinking that while we might have fifty percent or sixty percent or seventy percent of our kids that would love all day long nothing else than to play soccer and baseball and dodgeball and kickball and tag games all day long, there's a certain percentage of kids that we started to see that some games they absolutely loved and some games they were just like, you know what, this just doesn't for me. And um, we have a, I mean we have an idea to where it, it's your choice to play. We're not going to force you to do anything. We try to encourage you. But I mean, at, at the end of the day, it is your choice to, to participate in the game and we'll do everything that we can do to, to have you do this, but we don't want you to be miserable. So that's when I started thinking, okay, we need a little bit of downtime here. And, and that is when I started looking at resources around the community and started thinking who are the experts in those certain fields that I could call upon to come in and, and help make the program kind of an all-around play-based camp. And and the logo is all sports, so that maybe gives a little bit of it away. So to your point, saying, hey, I thought it was all sports. At the beginning, it was all sports. Mm-hmm. And and so what we've done is every we, we kind of do a one-to-one model. And the one-to-one model means that we'll do one activity that is a physical play-based activity, and then we'll do one activity that's more of what we'll call an academic or a downtime-based activity, and then we'll go back to a physical-based activity. So we will alternate that, and the kids are really, really responding to that. And um, and kind of to your to what you were saying about your daughter is that, yeah, your daughter likes to play, and she enjoys PE, and she probably enjoys a lot of these games, but she also loves Legos, and she enjoys chess and checkers and, and all that kind of stuff, is that we've turned it into into more of hey we don't want just athletes at our camp we want just really great kids that want to play and have a good time and get involved in a lot of different things and that's what the camp has kind of evolved into and we're seeing that kids are really enjoying that and and they're coming home and getting cars blue with slime because we have great art teachers and and <laughs> Again, we make thanks we make, for that yes yeah. oh you're so welcome um <laughs> So we're, 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 we're trying to make it so that it's kind of a, a 360 degree program. You know, one of the things that, that I always found fascinating when we started early on, because we had Ben who came through and, you know, was going to camp. Andrew was still too young, but it really helped Ben one when he would have this excitement throughout the day, but you made them all bring a book 
and they had the time where they would sit down and they would have to read. And I, you know, that was it was great for us because it combined these two things in Ben. One reading was something he never really loved to do, but it was by sitting down at the camp and seeing other kids do it and seeing his buddies take that break. I mean, it was one of the things that we saw a tremendous change from way to play, um, helping him even get into and understand the importance of taking that time to sit down and read because his friends were doing it as well. And, you know, candidly, um, you know, Eric, Andres, Eric is, is a, he's a celebrity around here, but he's really a celebrity to the kids. Um, and I think, you know, not to make you blush, Eric, but you know, you're having an impact on these kids. That is something that they'll always remember, um, particularly because we see you in so many different environments, whether it's, you know, at the little league field or whether you're doing something great in the community, which we'll get into your dancing career in just a minute. But, you know, talk to me about, you know, how you manage so many different kids. I think when you talk about coaching and you talk about parenting, whether your kids are or need to be parented differently or you're coaching in your community and there's different personalities on your team, how do you implement an understanding of those kids and how do you work with each of them a little bit differently and how do you teach your staff and your other peer PE teachers to do the same or some of the you know, high school or college age kids that you hire for your camps to do to do the same? That's such an important role. Yeah, so I, I believe wholeheartedly in the idea of, of, of kind of positive reinforcement and kind of teaching behavior that, that you want. And um, I mean, kids and adults, we all like to be reinforced in a positive way. And, and we all have different things that motivate us. And I, back in my, my first teaching job a long time ago, we, we did a, a study about the idea of, of positive reinforcement and what it does when you receive something, when you do something, something good. And there's a lot of studies and a lot of things, and there's positive things and negative, and everybody's got an opinion about it. But I, I really am a true believer in the idea that, that you reward kids and adults when they do what you expect them to do. And you need to find whatever it is that kids if we're speaking about kids what they what their carrot is what they really are motivated to do and i believe very much so in the idea of positive reinforcement through words i believe in positive reinforcement through high fives and fist bumps and hugs and and also along the same lines is that that if you see something that that is not appealing or something that you don't believe is the right behavior that you have to make it a point to reteach the positive behavior and you have to find a way to find out what the cause of that issue is or the cause of the problem is. And it's not because the, the child really wants to be mad or the child really wants to, to do that behavior. And sometimes they might, but at the, at the end of the day, there's a reason behind it. And when you can find that reason behind it and then try to reteach that behavior, I think you've come to the, the idea of now you're really getting to the core of who that child is. And that's, and that all comes with, the relationship and it all comes with the trust and it all comes with the idea that you're forming something that's really, really special with that child and in adults too, because I mean, to me, I mean, the reason that way to play is successful and the reason that, that, that you guys are successful in your lives is because you build these relationships that last and you, and people know that you're genuine and people know that you care about them. And it's not just kind of BS and surface level stuff is that you take a, a true, a true, genuine care about them and and kids kids know and they can sense it and they can feel it and and when they know that you care about them they're willing to do more for you yeah there's there's no doubt about that i think finding 
the way to communicate with them on their level is is so very important. It's it's really the challenge that you have you know, as a parent, in my opinion, is you know my I have two boys who who I have to parent very differently. Ben is easily motivated. He is yep. he is as competitive as a kid as as I've seen, uh, and he wants to get in there. He's a pleaser. Um, Andrew is 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 an incredible kid with a unique spirit that you know, I just have to handle and and ultimately discipline differently. Um, And I think, you know, getting them active and getting them engaged has helped me figure that out, getting them involved in sports and getting them involved in clubs and after school activities has allowed me to figure out what they enjoy and ultimately what we can do to find that carrot, as you said. Mm. Um, So you talk a little bit about are there other organizations that you've benchmarked against? Uh, how old is Way to Play? So Way to Play is going on year six. Six. So when you yep. were thinking about the idea, did you um, did you benchmark any other programs? Do, are there any other types of organizations that you looked at and said, they're doing it right and that's something that we can do in our community? Yeah, so I, I looked at a lot of the, the, the kind of large organizations. I looked at like the YMCAs and I looked at the JCCs and I looked at these programs that had really, really well-established camps. And I looked at like the Josh Powell camps and I looked at things around the Atlanta area and also nationwide. And just to kind of see what they did and what their program looked like. And I also sent my own, my older child, Benjamin, I sent him to camps and I would, as, as, a, as a four or five-year-old, I would send him to camps and say, hey, how was your day? What was the best part of your day? And, and kind of used him as a, as, as a test, as a test to it. Mm-hmm. And also just the experience of, okay, when I drop my child off at camp, like what, like who's greeting me at the door and what does their check-in process look like and what does it look like inside and, and all this kind of stuff. But I, I think kind of like anything else, you look at the experts or the, the people that have been around a really long time and kind of see how their programs are run and seeing what they do well and seeing, seeing why they're successful. And also at the same time, what, kind of they're not doing that maybe I could do to maybe fill a need or fill a, a void in, in what's out there. And, um, and we're still trying to figure it out. I mean, we're, I mean, I, I feel like we're on the right path, but we always like to try to evolve and get better and, and do different things and just stay, stay challenged. So I know you've had a, we like we all have um, an interesting first half of 2020 um, <laughs> when they shut down schools, you know, um, it, it, it impacted all aspects of your professional life, your personal life. You became a teacher both at home and, you know, and in profession. Um, and I know a lot of people look to you as things started to get into summer on how are you going to, you know, engage with the camps. Talk to us a little bit about what that process was like, what, you know, questions you asked yourself and, and kind of how you came to the decision to get the kids back together, what yeah, finding a venue and all of that like was like, talk to us about that journey. Yeah. I, when this all kind of started, it kind of threw everybody for a loop. And, and to be honest, I thought that this summer was going to be kind of a wash because I, it didn't look like we were going to be able to really do anything. And, and at the time, I mean, when, when March rolled around, we already had 350 kids registered for camp, like paid and registered, ready to go logistically, like, okay, we're going to have to refund all that money or transfer to a week and, and all that kind of stuff. So that, that was one part of it that we were trying to figure out. And then also kind of 
how if they were to open things back up what would camp actually look like and do we even want to run camp like is it safe and is it what's best for children and is it what's best for my own personal family and my coaches families our camps are traditionally housed in cobb county schools um and it's a great relationship that we have we're typically at campbell high school and it's great for us because the facility is um, perfect for us and it's also great for the school because we're able to donate uh money to write directly back to the school to help with our local community and the kids that are eventually going to go to that school. So um, it's really a win-win. But with schools being closed, we really we were kind of homeless, and we didn't know where we were going to have have camps. And just again through through this person or that person or talking to somebody here or there, somebody said, "Hey, there's a there's a church over out in Marietta. It's about ten miles away, and the the pastor is the dad of one of the people that plays baseball in Smyrna. Why don't you go talk to him?" And uh, this was after the governor had kind of put out his his checklist for 32 things that you had to do for camps to open. And our team, we looked over all those lists and said, you know what, I think we can do this. So what we did is we we went over and I talked to him and I said, hey, we'd love to love to use your, your church and we'd love to make a donation to the church and be able to use it. And um, and it, it just worked out and they were a blessing for us for us to find that space. And it's been great. And we, we had to get pretty creative pretty quickly. And, and what we did is, is in the meantime, we just pretty much stopped taking people's money for registration. We said, Hey, we, we're not real sure what summer's going to look like, but I know that you might need camp. So what we're going to do is we're just going to go on a kind of a reserve now pay later kind of thing. And because at the end of the day, yeah, we are a business, but really at the heart of what we do is we're kind of a, a service project. I mean, we, we really care so much about the families and, we're in the customer service business. I mean, that's what it comes down to more than anything else is that we're trying to serve families. And we said, you just reserve a spot. And and if and when the time comes, we will ask you for money if you want to send your kid to camp. And if you don't want to, we completely understand and, and that we'll support you in that. So we, we ended up being able to get our hands on a, a bunch of cleaning supplies. Big shout out to the service fort, um, Jeremy Fort, who runs a, a great commercial cleaning business. He was able to supply us with kind of a vaporizer, one of those Ghostbuster looking backpack sprayers and we sanitize <laughs> yeah. the building and, and all that kind of stuff. So we are now on week, we're on week number six of camp and knock on wood, everything is going great. And uh, we feel like we're doing the right thing and we're limiting a lot of things that we normally would do. But um, at the end of the day, I feel like we're bringing a service to people that, that they really appreciate and we love doing it and we love seeing the kids and they're just having a really good time with it. So I'm very, very thankful that we were able to push forward with camps this summer and, and, and doing it, what we think is, is for the right reason and the right way. Eric, I got to ask. So I'm, I'm an investment guy. So I'm, I'm curious, where do you want to take way to play? I mean, you're, you're obviously a pillar in the community. Um, it sounds like you're spending a great deal of time not only running a business, but obviously as a lifelong teacher, an award-winning teacher, congratulations, but Thank also you. involved in youth sports. But do you have you know, aspirations for maybe expanding way to play, or do you like the idea of just running a really high-quality program as you know, more of a service-oriented business here in Smyrna? Yeah, so I, that's kind of the struggle that I go through internally and sometimes externally when I, I speak to, to, to my wife and to people who are kind of in the financial field and in the business field is that I think the reason Way to Play is so successful is because I know the kids' names and the parents know who I am. And when they call a phone number, they're not just calling a random person. They're, they're talking to me. And when you send an email to an at Way to Play Sports email address, you're sending it to me. 
And when you get a text message of a picture of your child who's running around having a great day at camp, you're getting that picture. You're getting that text message from from me. And I think a, a major part of that success, and and I don't want this to come off if it sounds that way, but I think the major reason that the that the program is successful is because I'm able to be there and and greet parents at the door and open car doors and tell parents how their kid's day was. And I think if we expand, if we go to multiple locations, if we if we kind of go from location A and B and C and D, some of that will be lost. Mm-hmm. And, and that makes me a little, it doesn't make me nervous because I think at this point, again, the team that, that I have, they're an unbelievable group of, of men and women. And I feel comfortable to where if I'm not able to be at a, a place all day long, that they will run a program up to my standards. But there's still a lot to be said about knowing exactly who that person is that you're dropping your children off with. And, and also my staff, I mean, they've been with me since the beginning. I mean, the only people that have left our program are people that were in college and have gotten big boy and big girl jobs or, or people that have moved out of the, out of the state or things like that. But everybody that's been with, been there since the beginning, they're still with me. And, um, and I like to like to think that there's a lot to be said about that, that the same people that are still with me or are there because they love the program, they love the kids, and, and hopefully I'm doing something right to treat them right. I, I think on the expansion side of things, the whole idea of the way to, there's a lot that we can be put at the end of way two. So we, we, we've got a way to play. We also have a way to cheer program where um, we have a, a cheer coach. He's an ex, an ex Carolina Panther cheerleader that runs that way to cheer program. So I kind of put her as the lead of that program. We have a way to yoga program where we teach after school enrichment classes of uh, yoga. We've got a way to perform to where we have a performance-based camp to where we bring in experts in those fields that do two-week drama and music uh, camps. So I, I think really when we talk about expansion, I, I'm probably more excited about the idea of how to add another kind of suffix to the way to part of it. And, and the way to do that is to bring in experts in those fields that can help run those programs. No, that's great. I mean, I love that your business is expanding and thriving. And I love that you mentioned some of the other way tos. Because again, going back to the original question, I ashamed a little bit that I'm not able to support or haven't been supporting a local business right here in my backyard, because I really did think it was 100% sports. And looking at the agenda and hearing more about it, I basically brain I I blame Brad because he'd have done a good job of <laughs> endorsing you list. like you should have, that yes. you'd have had a lot more customers. But the fact that you're now getting into some of those other areas, I think it you know, it could dramatically improve not improve, I mean you're doing a fantastic job, but enhance, you know, and expand the potential market. Because one of the things that I'm really interested and passionate about and, and Brad is too, is business. Yeah. And I think we both grew up in homes where our parents did everything they could to give us opportunities and get us involved in things. But I think, you know, and I can't speak as much for Bruce, Brad's father, but, you know, my dad was like working nights at the post office. And so the dinner conversation was not, you know, how do you start a business? Interestingly, he was an entrepreneur before he started having a family. But I think there's a whole lot that could be taught to young people about just developing, you know, that confidence to go start a lemonade stand i mean or start a newspaper route you know some of the things that kids used to do you still see it here and there but i think there's just this whole element and i believe that's important because i think our economy has changed so much from when we were all growing up to today 
and what they're going to be expected to be able to do as adults in 10 or 15 years, it's going to be a different skill set. And I'm hoping that the public schools can equip them to some extent, but I don't think the public schools are really set up to do that. So, um, you know, I think your program stands to really serve a, a really provide a big service, you know, in the lives of young kids and, and provide experiences and opportunities um, that they're just not going to get otherwise. I, you know, I appreciate that a lot. And, and what was really kind of very kind of meaningful for me is that we've started something over the last year or two of kind of like a coaching training program to where we've got, we, we go all the way up to eighth grade for our campers, but we've got kids that either I've taught in elementary school or kids that have been campers with me um, that have kind of aged out of the program. And, and we started a coaching training program to where these, these kids that are rising ninth graders, not rising 10th graders to where they're not quite to that age where, where they're employable, but um, where we bring them in and uh, I make them fill an application, I make them interview and they come in and, and they work full days and they shadow me for the first day or two and then they shadow other people. But it, it's just really a great opportunity for these kids to learn how kind of the behind the scenes stuff work because they're just used to kind of a way to play as a camper and, and they don't see the, the things that are happening when they're not looking and how things work with the interaction between the parents and the kids and, and really teachable moments all day long about how we see behaviors here and there and how we can kind of guide and how, how you might approach a behavior here or might approach something here or how you can stand in front of a group of 20 or 25 kids and be able to teach a game or be able to explain something. And, and, that, and that's been really rewarding for me to see these kids who, who I've known since they've been itty bitty and now they're, now they're young men and young women and they're able to come now and kind of serve a different role and be able to give back a little bit. And then, and then for me to then have them as in, in a year or two as, as a workforce, as a way for me to have them as, as my coaches and they can now start to earn, earn money in the summertime and it breaks. So it, it, it really is kind of a full circle thing that, that I really, I really am getting a, a lot of cool things out of this as well. So um, that as, as you talk about the, the business part of it is, is hopefully these kids will learn something from this to one day make them want to pursue something on their own. Well, you know, listening to you talk, you face the same challenges. It's interesting to me. You face the same challenges that, that I face with trenches or that any small business owner faces. And that's this service that you have provided, this family that you've created amongst your workers and, and the, the attendees to your camps, because you are, I mean, I, I never felt m- more safe dropping my kids off the last couple of weeks with the environment that you've created. Never did I have any doubt that the kids were going into an environment. And that's because of the trust that, you know, you have, uh, that we have in you. That was the work that your, your coaches and staff have, have done with the kids over the years. I'll do a better job of explaining that to Andres in the future moving forward. But, <laughs> yes. I, I, you know, I think, uh, I've been locked think, down in my house for the last man. six months, man. I need to be getting to camp. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, we'll provide a service for you. We got you, man. <laughs> you know, it's, it's just, it's fascinating to me because you're, you, you're in the key man situation and, and I know you've got an amazing team, but the fact of the matter is all small businesses need to figure out how to bottle that up, that key man, that key service, mentality because you've got something that is truly gold and and i think that i'm sure communities across the country uh are lucky enough to have i hope they're lucky enough to have eric kamansky's and way to plays but you know that's part of where i think all those business owners that are out there hearing people who have the same types of challenges we all need to figure out how to scale our business you know and if you treat people the right way and you do your business the right way that scale should come. That opportunity should 
present itself. So, you know, you've, you've got customers in us and you've got endorsers in, in the Oleckis, that's for sure. And as a Smyrna celebrity, I, I, I see the cars of the, the Smyrna cars leaving town to go up to East Cobb. Um, you're doing something special. So, you know, last question for you. This is a very interesting school year we have coming up. Um, yes. Here in Cobb County, we're a month away from school. It was delayed two weeks. Uh, you know, we'd normally be going back the 1st of August. We're delayed a couple weeks. There's still a lot of unanswered questions. I'm on the camp. I'm, I'm in the camp of I want you know, the kids to go back to school. You know, this week, I think, Andres, we have to decide what are we doing, you know, virtual or in classroom. How do you feel about everything? You know, as an educator, it feels like educators aren't being talked to enough about what's going on and, and what the decisions that are being made on your behalf. But how do you feel about it, particularly since you're going to see every kid that comes through that school uh, in both indoors and outdoors? Yeah, I, I think more than anything else is that confusion is, I think, the key word here. And a lot of times when you get information, information is normally a really, really good thing. And I feel like we're almost overloaded with information and whether it's from social media or whether it's from from news stations or, or whatever, it's really, really confusing. And um, I feel like it's almost like a, a political candidate, no matter who you choose or no matter what stance you have, you're, you're going to upset somebody right. in, in some camp. And at the end of the day, I think it's a very personal decision based on you and your family. And I mean, us personally, I mean, our kids are going back to school. I went on the, on the, on the website today and, and clicked yes, in-person school for both of our kids, because I mean, I've, I'm going back to school, which I'm very, very excited about, but I'm also cautious. But I also think running camps for the past five or six weeks has given me confidence to know that there's a way to do it right, but we're doing it at a much smaller scale. But on the other side of things, I mean, my wife works for Home Depot and she works, she's working from home and, but she's not going to be able to, to, to teach our kids working as a full-time, full-time job. So we're putting kind of a rock in a hard place and we're in the situation where our kids need to go back to school but they need to go back to school more more than just because we've got to do it. They've got to go back to school because we just weren't sufficient for them. We didn't do what was best for them as as teachers. And I say that as a teacher. Um, but nothing kind of prepared us for what we did at the end of like March and April and May. It just it, it was not right for, for our kids. And, and I don't know, I, I saw sides of me that I didn't really want to be that type of teacher because my kids were miserable and I was miserable for certain days. And so... I, there's nothing that can replace that face-to-face in-person classroom setting. But in my opinion, you are either in the camp of we are all in and we're going to go ahead and do this or we're staying home and we're not doing anything else and we're going to quarantine ourselves in the house. And I feel like that's kind of the decision that people are having to make is that you are either all in and we're going to do this or we're staying home. And and we are a pretty conservative lot over here at our house. I mean, we're wearing masks and we're, we're staying pretty close to home. But, um, I mean, our kids are going back to school and they're going with masks on and I'm going to be teaching with masks on. And and we're going to have to get creative when it comes to, comes to teaching PE. Because, I mean, luckily for us, we've got two PE teachers at the school that I teach at. So we've talked about possibly one of us teaching indoors and one of us teaching outdoors. Um, to kind of limit the exposure. But at the end of the day, I mean, if you're going to have kids in the building, they're going to eventually come in contact with each other. And they're eventually going to share things and you're going to have things that, that are going to be shared. And, and that's that's a scary thing for a lot of people. I think there are definitely going to be some more answers that need to come out um, from Cobb Board of Education. But 
to think that they're just kind of sitting back, not doing anything. I think that's an unfair thing for people to say, because yeah. I mean, social media is absolutely tearing them apart. And to think that they're just kind of sitting back and doing things on purpose to harm kids and teachers and adults and bus drivers. I, I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I mean, they're, they've got our best interest in mind. Again, that's my opinion, but I think they're doing their best, but they're just like we are. They, they don't know the answers either. If anybody anticipated this, I, I'd like to, to get them in a Vegas, uh, sports book because you know they can tell the future so given them to your point given the the school board and all of those people in impossible situations the chance to figure it out just like we're all figuring it out is only fair and finishing on this putting you on the spot a little bit coach i think the best advice in the world comes from coaches give us your best advice to parents on how we are raising our kids and 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 what's something that you want every parent out there to know when you see their kids in action, how are we sending them to you in the best way possible? And, you know, what are some of the things that we should be working on? Oh, wow. I, I think one of the main things that I always kind of come back to, and this is through, through coaching, is that sports are games. Baseball's a game. Soccer's a game. Football's a game. Games, games should be fun. And if kids are not having fun, then something's not right. And we have to figure out why, because I see a lot of I see a lot of kids stomping off fields and I see a lot of kids not happy at the end of games. And there's a reason for that. And whether it's there's pressure from outside forces or internal forces or whatever it is, I think games should be fun and they've got the rest of their lives to, to, to be pressured and, and all that kind of stuff. And I feel like, especially the younger they are, it should be all about fun and it should be all about being with their friends. And, and I, and I say that as a dad, very kind of reflecting back on it is, is I, I put, I mean, my oldest son, I, I coach him in baseball and I coach him in soccer and we have a very, a very kind of a, a, a rough relationship on the field because I've got very, very high expectations for him. But sometimes my expectations for him are not guided in the right direction. And sometimes I look back and I'm maybe not as fair to him as I probably should be. And I've realized that in the past year or two, and I've kind of seen a change in him and he's kind of going back to really enjoying the things that he does. But I think that, that at the end of the day, it is a game. And I know that there's scores being, being taken and, and there's competition involved, but, but at the end of the day, it is just a game and it's for kids to develop and for kids to grow and for kids to just have a really good time out there. And, and as far as you, you all sending us kids, just send us kids that, that, that want to have a good time and they're respectful and responsible and they're role models. That's a big thing with our, with our camps is the three R's is respectful, responsible role models. We like to try to, we like to try to live by that, that, that motto. Well, we love it. Uh, I can't thank you enough for what you've done for my boys, what you, I know, know will do for the Sandates after, uh, <laughs> after this, all three of their amazing kids. But look, let me, you know, for everything that you've done for the community, I hope that everybody listening can find a way to play. I hope, hope they can find a coach Amansky from your, your involvement in winning the Smyrna dancing with the stars, as I joked about Woo-hoo! earlier to what you do in the Smyrna little league and, and soccer and all of that. Uh, but most importantly, the attitude that you and the role model that you are for our for our kids. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. Let me know if my kids need a good old fashioned whooping coming home from camp the rest of the week. I'll do that. We're doing uh, red clay. I mean, red uh, red putty on Wednesday. Super. Just to get yeah. So Super. yeah. Uh, <laughs> Next time, instead of water day on Friday, just have them just douse in slime. That'd be like old double dare days. Yeah, that, yeah, we'll have just big buckets above their heads. There you go. Hey, and no, but in all in, in genuine honesty, I really I do appreciate you guys so much having me on. This was this was great, and um, it it was really really a, a good experience and something that I I really cherish. So thank you. Yeah, thank you, Eric. It's really great meeting you, and I'm really 
glad that we could have this conversation tonight. I mean, I think there's a lot of listeners, seriously, that, that do tune in. We, we are trying to profile parents and dads, not only around the country, but right here in Smyrna that are doing cool things. And you're definitely, uh, you're definitely among them. So thanks for all the work you're doing and the leadership you're providing. Absolutely. Thank you so much. That's another great uh, Biz Dads interview. Thanks for joining us, Coach. Have a great night. All right, Biz Dads, it's time for another Parenting 101. Are you preparing a long cross-country trip or are you taking the family to the beach? Are you really prepared for that trip? One of the things that Andres and I have learned is you can never be too prepared for those five, six-plus-hour trips, or if you're like Andres, the 14-hour trips. With two boys, I think the iPads are an absolute must. But I get quite frustrated when I have to answer 47 questions about why the headphones aren't working uh, in between every other bathroom break. So the must-have for me with two boys is a wide mouth bottle. It's one of those big Gatorade bottles that allows me to continue to beat that Google Maps estimated time of arrival and uh, not stop for every little thing that my kids complain about. So that's my version of the Parenting 101. Andres, what's a must-have for you on those long road trips? Mine's not too different than yours, Brad. You definitely need to pack extra clothes if you have young boys because sometimes they get too excited with the shows and the devices and they forget to go to the bathroom. So extra clothes is a must. You also want to pack plenty of headphones because I found that even in the newest cars that you pay a lot of money for, the Bluetooth devices never work. So I'm taking headphones and I'm taking clothes and I'm taking quantity. There you go. That's this week's Parenting 101. Be prepared out there, dads. All right, folks, let's wrap up this week's show with our final four. Since we've been talking about the NBA and the MLS bubble, a couple of the NBA players have been caught crossing the line, getting out of the bubble in order to grab fast food or whatever it is. What would you risk 10 days of additional quarantine for to cross the line and to get out? Andres, what about you? You know what, Brad? I would risk probably a lockdown to go to a live concert. There's something about being with tens of thousands of people that you don't know all just bobbing and weaving to a great artist. So I'm all in for a uh, just a night of live music. That's a good one. You know, mine would be a, a good bottle of bourbon uh, and a really great cooked steak. So I'd cross the line for two things. I want to have a really well-cooked, medium-rare, almost bloody steak with a great glass of my favorite bourbon, an Eagle Rare or a Jefferson's Ocean, something like that. Twist, how about you? Mine would be something like there's a big party or something and like a lot of cool people are going to be there, but I wouldn't sneak my heart as and I'd make it into like an FBI mission. And so I wouldn't get caught. So I wouldn't have to do the 10 days because I would be really sneaky and go to the party and then come back. No chance you're that sneaky and don't get caught. Your buzzer would be going off automatically. And since we need four of these things and Anne is too chicken to say, her bow, Willie. I'm going to say our families. We would all cross the line to see Aww. our loved ones, right? Oh, no, no. All right, folks, that wraps up another great show. A real special thanks to our guest, Eric Kamansky. Thanks for putting up with my kids. Hopefully, they've all behaved at camp today. 
Uh, look forward to you having all three of Andres' kids here in the near future. We look forward to another great, great episode next week. Please continue to comment down below. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Biz Dads out. <laughs>